All right, everyone, thanks for checking out Locked on Syracuse today. We have part two of our conversation with James Zuba from over at Noon's Magician coming up. We'll talk more about the state of the Syracuse basketball program today. If you did miss part one, go back and check it out on our podcast feed. You can also find a link to it on our Twitter page at LO underscore Syracuse. Today, James Tyler and I kind of dive more into where Syracuse basketball is at right now, how it compares to where the football program is at. And at the end, we briefly talk about what the succession plan should be for Syracuse basketball once Jim Beheim does decide to hang it up. So as always, thanks for listening. Hope you guys stay safe out there and have a good weekend. And without further delay, here's part two of our conversation with James Zuba on the state of the Syracuse basketball program. Is there a particular moment, maybe a game you were at, or just something where it was complete euphoria? And obviously, I guess the the national championship (laughs) team is going to have to be discounted from this conversation. But any other moments that stand out from your Syracuse fandom or following them? Well, well, I was, you know, I mean, I was 11 years old when when Syracuse won the title, so I mean that that had a, pro- a profound impact on me growing was up. Was that also the that, first but... night you drank too? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in fifth grade at the time, so I don't think that was allowed. I don't even think I knew what it was at the time. <laughs> That's a plead but, the uh, fifth if I've ever heard one. Plead the fifth. Uh, yeah, I mean that team obviously stands out, but aside from that, um, believe it or not, I was lucky enough to be at the six overtime game. Wow. Um, that, that was unbelievable. You know, I mean, I just remember so much from that night. I was, you know, I was a junior in high school at the time and my mom and I would go down to the big East tournament every year. We, we actually started going in 2006 when McNamara had his run at MSG, you know, four games in four days, you know, they go from being on the bubble to of course making the tournament. So, I mean, that stands out as well, but if, if there's one single game, it was a six overtime game and, you know, we, we got a little time, so I, I guess I can go into it, but, you know, that, that year, my mom and I went down and we actually scaled tickets off the street and we learned pretty quickly to never do that because <laughs> when we got in, uh, she, she had brought some things back to the hotel and, you know, I wanted to go in and watch, watch warm ups and that sort of thing. So she said, you know, what, why don't you go in and then I'll meet you in there. And, uh, you know, we went to go in and the guy went to scan my ticket and it made sort of like this weird noise. And I knew right away, you know, I was like, oh no. And uh, the guy's like, did you get it off the street? I was like, yeah. He's like, it's a fake ticket. You can't use it. <laughs> Luckily, the guy behind me had an extra ticket that he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't going to use. And he just said, hey, you know, if you want it, it's yours. I couldn't get rid of it. And I was oh, like, man, you wow. got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I immediately get on the phone with my mom and tell her what happened. And, you know, she's devastated. But she's like, just, you know, go to the game and enjoy it. And, uh you know, I'm walking in and the guys, the guy who gave me the tickets, like, that's great for you. But unfortunately, you know, you got to sit next to me for the rest of the game, <laughs> which, uh, you know, was, was a small price to pay because it ended up being the six OT game. And, you know, it was just, it was unbelievable in there. I mean, it was intense and, you know, the big East tournament, you know, guys really going punch for punch. And, you know, I remember when Andy Routens hit the third OT in overtime, you know, just the Syracuse fans coming alive and, it was just an unbelievable game to be at. It's something you'll never forget. And, uh, you know, Syracuse fans were rocking in there that night. So it was it was something to behold. I mean, you, you've you even got an avid experience on top of that, too. Uh, do, do you still keep in contact with the guy? Who was that? The guy who got it? The, the guy who gave, gave you the ticket, yeah. No, I mean, we didn't exchange numbers or anything. 
Um, you know, we, we talked throughout the game and we were kind of like, you know, high-fiving and stuff like that. But, you know, what, once the game was over now, we, we didn't talk again. So, hey, if, if this guy, if he's listening to it, you know, he can get a hold of me at any time, man. He, yeah. he made a difference in my life that day. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you've paid that forward but, at some point. Do, do you guys yeah. – do you guys remember that game? Did you guys watch that game or were you guys? I remember, I think I, okay. So I started watching towards the end of it. And okay. I remember I was at a friend's house and I was just kind of, it was just kind of on in the background uh, and, and we were watching it. And then I got home and I turned on the TV and it was still going. It was probably in the third overtime, second or third overtime at that point. And I sat down with my okay. dad and we just watched it that entire night. And we were just kind of like, what the hell? Like, yeah, yeah. I thought this game was over <laughs> by the time I got yeah. home. I actually, I think I stopped watching because I saw a Devendorf shot live and then turned it off for a little bit and then came back and it was still going on in like overtime number two or three. And I was like, wait a second. I thought they, they won in regulation. Yeah, that's funny. How, how old were you guys when that game was, was happening? Let's see. Ooh, I was probably probably 10. 12, 13. Yeah. 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 Somewhere around wow. Well, I'm older than you, Tim, so I, yeah. I would have been older than that. Right. Um, yeah. So, Did yeah, that no, have I was. Uh, and you guys eventually going to Syracuse? Uh, no. I, no. No. I didn't. Okay. Maybe subconsciously. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, maybe in the back of my mind somehow, but at the. I, I would I have never seen that as one of the things. The. Uh, the really only good year from the ACC years, the NSCJ fair year when they got to 25 and out, I'd say that had an impact mm-hmm. on me going because that's when wow. I really was uh, old enough to kind of appreciate how much of a program Syracuse was. And I remember watching that Duke game where there were 35,000 plus and watching yeah. game day that day. And that was kind of a big moment for me realizing what the dome was and who CJ fair yeah. is and everything like that. Yeah. You know, funny enough, I um, when I was on my visit at Indiana, and I was going to the NCAA tournament. It was that was the day they beat Indiana to advance in the NCAA tournament against that Zeller okay. Oladipo team. Um, mm-hmm. That that and so maybe that subconsciously may have been my moment when Syracuse defeated Indiana. <laughs> so. That, that that's the only thing I could think of, maybe. But yeah, yeah that that was that was a really good Indiana team. I mean, I don't think a lot of yeah. Syracuse fans even expected you know Syracuse to pull that upset just because it was such a good team. But yeah, that was that was another you know perfect example where you get a team and you got to go up against the zone and it's it's tough. So here's an interesting hypothetical question for you: What do you think happens more in the next, we'll say, five years? The football team going to a bowl game or the basketball team going to the NCAA tournament? Oh, um, which do I think will happen first or more in, in five years? More, more. Oh man, that's that's tough. Um, you, you know, I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll have to go with, with the basketball team. I, I think it's going to be tough next year for Syracuse to do that but you know I think two years when when Buddy Beheim's a senior and you kind of have this this core group coming through um, I, I think they'll have a chance to get back there 
And then if they can get some more talented players in behind that, you know, with, with Dior coming in, uh, I do think that, you know, they'll, they'll be, you know, frequently in the tournament, but we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, like I said, it all kind of depends on when Jim Beheim steps away and what happens with the next head coach. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think football, I don't follow football as much, but I think they'll have their opportunity to get to some bowl games as well. Obviously not the season they, they would have liked last year, but, um, you know, two years ago they, they showed what they could do. Um, and then, you know, obviously everything that's happening with, with the Dome and the upgrades, I mean, that should help both programs going forward too. We should be able to sell recruits on that. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd say I'd say the basketball team. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there on the basketball front yeah. there. I, I mean, i not going to say it's easier to make the NCAA tournament, but it's no. Syracuse, I think, has the leg up recruiting-wise in terms of ability to get the talent to make you an NCAA tournament team versus football, where it's just been a lot of three stars over and over again. Right. right. Not to put too much stock into the stars and everything, but at the end of the day, it, it does matter at least a little bit. I want to get into some personal stuff with you, too, okay? Because (laughs) that probably sounded really weird. Yeah, I'm sorry if that sounded (laughs) really weird. make it personal. That's cool. Yeah, let's make it personal right here. Because I think one of the big reasons why I've really respected your work is that, okay, so you you blog for Noon's Magician. But I think – and anyone in the world can be a blogger. But you're Mm -hmm. different in the sense that, you actually travel to road games. And I think that's what makes you unique and kind of stand out amongst everyone else. And I think that's why a lot of the other Syracuse media and, and I'm sure members of the program have a lot more respect towards you than some of the other bloggers is because you you are around the program, you travel. When did that start for you where you said, okay, I'm going to go to these road games? But you, you respect my work? I didn't know anybody respected <laughs> my work. Uh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> no, um, yeah, you know, it's it's fun. I mean, I didn't even, when I first started writing for Noons, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not a Newhouse kid. I didn't have like a media background. I don't have a journalism background. It's just something that, that I picked up. And I, obviously, you know, that's, that's why I'm at Noons. Um, had I taken a different route, you know, I think my path would have been a little different. But uh, I'm really grateful for how, how things have worked out with Noons and it's been a lot of fun and so on and so forth. But, yeah, um, you know, I think it really started – you know, just a couple seasons ago when I realized that, that we had that ability, you know, I, I didn't even, when I first started, I didn't even realize we had the ability to get out to road games. Um, but I had always done, you know, even in the earlier years, like I'm, I'm living in New York city. So, you know, I would get whatever if Syracuse was playing at Barclays or at MSG, you know, I would do those games. Um, even my first year, like I did a couple of games at the dome, but once, once I realized that we were able to get out to road games, you know, I just viewed it as an opportunity because, you know, one, I'm, I'm interested in getting out on the road and, you know, I've been to Cameron and, you know, I've been in North Carolina in the Dean Dome and those sorts of places. So that's, that's something that I wanted to do. Also been to Coliseum. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, you want to explain to the Hokie fans? I mean, why, why, why do you hate Virginia uh, Tech, huh? <laughs> well, it, admittedly, you know, I mean, okay, you know, when you go to, when you go to Duke and you go to the Dean Dome, it's historic. And, you know, obviously everything that surrounds both of those programs. Um, you know, it's, it's funny when I went down to Blacksburg last year, I think I had a really bad experience. And I think that sort of fed into why I, I don't like Castle Coliseum, but, um, you know, going down, 
you know, I should probably talk more about the arena, but going down, you know, I had, I had to get reconnected on a different flight. I got into Roanoke kind of late. I had to take like a $50 Uber to the hotel and then to the stadium to get there for, you know, like 30 minutes before the game. But, you know, as for the arena itself, I I just don't kind of like the, the seating, like where, where your seating is like you're behind the backboard and you're high up. So you don't really get to see the game. And then when you're trying to get down to the floor, like on the end lines there, and I get why they do it. You know, they're trying to keep the fans away from the players and that sort of thing. But it's really hard to get down, like from where you're sitting all the way down to the ground floor. So doing interviews is really difficult. And, you know, I, I just don't really get what the, the giant fan is all about in Castle Coliseum. I, I don't know why that's there. I don't know what the point of it is, but uh, I, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> and that's James Zuba's Yelp review of Castle Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> I, Virginia Tech fans don't like me very much for it. I, I was, you know, we were kind of going back and forth and trolling about it earlier this year. But, you know, it's uh, – I loved every second it wouldn't of that, be my, by the way. <laughs> it wouldn't be the the first. It wouldn't be the number one on my road trips for the year to do again. There, there was a reason I didn't go down this year. Are there any arenas that you found are kind of underrated? Um, you, you know what? It, it maybe it's recency bias, but I was just down in Miami a couple weeks ago. I, I really like like I, I don't know why Miami basketball can't be better. Uh, I don't know that you know if they. They just don't have like the fan base with the pro sports there or, or what it is, or, if, you know, people yeah. in Miami and they're just not as interested in sports, but I think that program has a lot of, a lot of potential. Um, I kind of like Watsko. It's kind of intimate. It's small. Um, if they pack that place, it could be really cool. I think it could be a really great basketball environment. Uh, obviously everybody's going to talk about Cameron and the Dean Dome and those sorts of things, but you know, I, I like Watsko. I, I really like that arena. I'll give you three letters. Why FBI? That's why Miami can't be an elite program right now. <laughs> that, that, that's my well, only reason. I, I don't... That. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hey, no, I'm kind of with you. I don't seven know why. Last six yeah. years, Syracuse '84. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so okay, I know we've kind of let you off the hook from from talking about that national championship team, but let's. Uh, yeah. What do you remember from everything that happened that let's go like through the run and then yeah. maybe like that from the game itself as well? Yeah. Um, taking it back. I mean, like the, the first player I ever really remember watch, you know, remember watching play is Preston Shumpert. So obviously he leaves and the next year, you know, you got, there's kind of some unknowns. I mean, you got Carmelo coming in, you got Jerry, um, but recruiting, you know, nobody really knew back then because now there, there's video and there's social media and you can like pull up a guy's highlights and all, and all that. Everybody knew Carmelo was a big recruit, but I don't think anybody was like really expecting a national championship from the beginning. Um, but, you know, you had, you had some, some veteran guys, you had Quest Duaney, who was really the only senior on that team. Um, you had Jeremy McNeil, you know, he's an upperclassman on the back line. Uh, guys like Josh Pace. Um, you know, Billy Edelin was also coming in as a freshman. So you knew, you knew there was talent on that squad and, you know, they, they kind of, they didn't get off to the best start. They lost their first game of the year against Memphis at MSG. And, you know, even throughout the, the season, you know, there's kind of a typical, not, not typical Syracuse season because you had Carmelo, but uh, you know, you, there was a lot of wins and you had, you had the ups and downs. And then the tournament run was, was pretty spectacular. I mean, you know, they, they just posted the video the other day of the 17-point the comeback against Oklahoma State. But, 
you know, you, you pretty much handle you know, the Big Ten all the way to the title game, and then you go up against uh, Texas in the Final Four, and then Kansas in the title game, and, and Melo just had a great Final Four. Uh, I think he struggled, you know, in those earlier games, but, you know, the other guys picked it up. Josh Pace had some good games. Uh, really good role player, Quet Duaney, you know, he had some good games as well. Just sort of that, that veteran in the locker room. And then, uh, you know, in the Final Four, Melo just seemed to say, like, I got it. You know, he, he went off in that Texas game, and then he had a pretty good game against Kansas in the title game as well. Obviously, everybody knows McNamara comes out. He had six threes in the first half, and um, everybody knows Hakeem Spock as well. But really, the role players, I thought, were really key on that team. I mean, guys like Josh Pace, you know, he was kind of an unsung hero kind of did it all with that, that lefty floater, not not as much of a shooter, but, you know, rebounder, passer, could get in the lane and mix it up. Um, you know, Billy, Billy kind of brought something a little bit different to the point guard spot. McNamara played there as well. And then, obviously, Carmelo's a threat on the wing. And, um, you know, Craig Forth and Jeremy McNeil were really good defensive centers. Syracuse could kind of go to the press and put McNeil in the back line, and he would just, you know, if guys were coming at him two-on-one, whatever, he would just kind of send a shot, you know, into the crowd. He's, he's a really prolific shot blocker. So I thought, you know, obviously the star power was there with guys like Hakeem and Melo, but, you know, the, the role players were really key as well. You talk about role players there. Is there anyone that kind of stands out from your time watching the team that might be a little bit underrated at this point in time or maybe looking back on them? You just didn't realize how good they were in the moment. It doesn't even have to be a role player, but just anyone that you think is kind of deserves a little bit more credit. Yeah, I mean, I think you could look right at a guy like Josh Pace. Um, yeah. He was really key. He was kind of like a glue guy before glue guy was the term. You know, just kind of did it all. Wasn't really, like, concerned about, you know, the glory or getting his points, but just kind of did all those things that you need a guy to win, uh, a guy to do to win. You know, you dive on the ground for a loose ball or, you know, you hit that floater somehow get a tough rebound or fi- find a guy in the right spot, play good defense. So he, he was really, you know, one of the, the first, like, glue guys that I can remember. And, you know, maybe a guy every, – everybody's going to look at back at that Syracuse team and say, well, they had Melo. Um, they, they had Jerry. And then Hakeem obviously played a lot of years in the NBA. But, but I thought Pace was really, like, one of those key guys that um, really kind of kept the team together. People will say, like, he was the straw that stirred the drink. He, he was one of those guys for sure. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Syracuse is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Orange fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Syracuse fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. What is the coolest piece of Syracuse memorabilia that you own? Ooh, coolest piece. Um, maybe it's not even like 
Syracuse related, but I have a throwback Syracuse Nationals jersey. Uh, It's it's obviously not from, yeah, it's obviously not from that era, but it's, you know, it's like, it says Iverson on the back because the Nats became the Sixers, but it's it's a Syracuse Nationals jersey and I have it. So that's, Maybe not. Maybe even that's cheating a little bit, but uh, I, I think that's probably the coolest thing I own. All right, so let's say that is cheating. What what Syracuse <laughs> <laughs> Orange related? Although that is very cool. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd probably have to be the the six overtime ticket. I I don't know where it is. I I was looking for it last time I went home in Syracuse because I kept all my old tickets from when I was in high school, like movies tickets. For some reason, I don't know, just hoarder mentality, I guess, but. No, that's uh, not I horror mentality. That, that is a cool thing to do. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I stand with you on that. Yeah. You never know. I mean, it's nice to look back and, and see, you know, what you did or where you went on, on certain dates because, you know, your mind your mind doesn't always remember all the things. But it's good to look back on that stuff every now and again. When you first started that story, I thought you were going to say that that guy who gave you the ticket gave up his only ticket and was not allowed to go to no. the game or gave it up. That would have been brutal. <laughs> I don't know anybody that selfless. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of good people out there, but I don't know anybody that selfless. Matthew Gutierrez might do that. He might do that. Yeah. Goody, Goody would be a good candidate. He would give you the shirt off his back. He's a great guy. <laughs> I'm jealous, man. He's down in Florida right now. He's like, if there's yeah, I see. I saw on like his Instagram story. He's like at the pool right now. It's like, man, like, yeah, he's. He's living a life. He sent me a picture of his, his dog. I don't know if it's his dog or his mom's dog or what, but he's living it up down there. He's and he's and he's still hustling too. I mean, that yeah, guy's, that's the that thing. guy's a grinder. I mean, he try, his butt off. I last week we had him on the podcast and mm-hmm. we, it was a nightmare trying to get him on because that dude is doing like <laughs> fifty interviews a day. He's like, Yeah, I gotta call this coach at this time, gotta call this recruit, gotta do this, gotta do this ESPN Syracuse interview, and it's like do you sleep? Do you sleep? <laughs> no. Meanwhile, he's tweeting he's out nonstop. <laughs> he's tweeting. He's tweeting while he's on the phone. He's in the pool on the phone, tweeting. He's got like eight things going at once. He's he's a grinder, man. He's he's true to it. Yeah, he's definitely like tweeting while he's doing while he was doing the podcast with me last week. I I should check the receipts on that. I really should. <laughs> I would not be surprised. All right, so everyone's quarantined right now. Give me three to five Syracuse games that either you've already rewatched or that you, you plan on rewatching over these next X amount of days that we will be sheltered. Okay. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I have not rewatched one Syracuse game since the pandemic started. However, no shame in that. <laughs> if I had to pick, I would say. I did just see something for the Syracuse-Oklahoma State game from 2003. Uh, I have not seen that game since it happened. So I think that's probably number one on the list. Um, Number two, there's probably going to be so many that I'm missing. Um, I don't don't know that I have the time. This is an unfair question to put you on the spot, too. (laughs) It's it's tough to think about on the spot. Um, I think the six-overtime game, that might be a little bit – too long to watch. We got a while, man. <laughs> uh, that takes him down for the all Irishman. <laughs> all right. Maybe, maybe I'll do this. All right. So we'll do that. We'll do the Oklahoma State game from 2003. We'll do the sixth overtime game. And you got to help me out here. Um, 
you know, are any of the the 2018 that that tournament are any of those games available anywhere? Because I, I might watch like I'm sure they are. I see they have a good amount of them on their yeah. YouTube. Yeah. So I, I, I would look, say I yeah. should look for that one. It was, was a rock play, the... but I might want to rewatch that Michigan State game. Yeah. Yeah, the BYU uh, GMAC game would be up there, I'd say. 06. Okay. Yeah. Virginia yeah. Elite Eight is yeah. another good one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All those. One last serious question here before we let you go. Okay. And okay. maybe it's it's a hard one to answer, obviously, because it's just one of those things that it's a big what if, but would you rather them hire the next head coach as like a current assistant from within, or would you rather see them go outside of the program once Bayheim does step down? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's, there's so many directions that they could take it. You, you would think that given how really Syracuse operates and, and the way that everything's been, you, you would think they would want to keep it in the family, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at this point, you know, I mean, it, it looks like Hopkins are bust. I mean, I know the season that he just had and a lot can change between now and when that, that hire is eventually made. But, um, you know, I really, you know, I really think it's like Hopkins are bust. And then, you know, we could, we could see who emerges as, as a candidate, you know, maybe one of the assistants, maybe they hop somewhere soon. Uh, that's always a possibility. And maybe they take over their program and, you know, maybe Hopkins doesn't want the job and they go with that guy. Um, or, or something that, that John Casillo has pointed out, you know, my managing editor at Nunes is given sort of the, the Bayheim coach K relationship, you know, maybe Syracuse hires, a, you know, a coach K protege. Uh, there's a lot of those guys out there certainly. And, you know, I mean, I think I, people mentioned like Greg Paulus, I don't know that you get a guy like Greg Paulus, but you know, there, there's a lot of other candidates out there. So it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I don't, I admittedly don't really foresee which direction it's going to go in, but you know, at this point right now, uh, I'd, I'd have to say it'd be Hopkins or Bust. Yeah, I can't imagine a world where Jim Beheim is sitting back when he's maybe 80, 81, and it's just finished coaching, whenever he is, <laughs> and he's on the couch and he's watching Syracuse. I don't want to add 10 out. years to that number. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I can't imagine a world where he's watching a Syracuse team that isn't playing his 2-3 zone. I feel like he just will yeah. want to see that legacy continue, and he, he kind of has earned that right, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And I, and I think if there is a situation when, you know, he does step away and he's, you know, still healthy and all those things, he's, he's going to want to be around the program. You know I mean? He's not just going to go away. I think he's going to, you know, kind of want to be around the program in whatever capacity he can, if he's not coaching. All right. Well, James, we really appreciate the time. This was awesome. Hopefully you uh, stay safe out there in New York city right now. It's crazy <laughs> times. So we appreciate you finding time to fit us into your schedule here. All right, Tim, Tyler, thank you guys for having me on and happy to do it anytime. So thank you, and I appreciate it, guys. And you've just legally binded yourself into another appearance now. You know that, right? <laughs> um, anytime, anytime. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you rephrase that. You've got, you've got 10 seconds to rephrase that. Speak well, now. Well, forever okay, hold maybe, your maybe not anytime, uh, considering it took, you know, an extra week to get me actually on. But uh, <laughs> anytime, we, we can make time. How about that? Yeah. Works well, for us. Great. Okay, so that wraps up our conversation with James Zuba. We really appreciate the time from him. He's out in New York City right now, as he said, kind of dealing with the coronavirus in the hotbed right now. So really nice of him to give us really a lot of time there and break that into two parts. If you missed part one, go back and check it out on Thursday. We dove into 
a lot more of what you didn't hear today on kind of the state of the program, where recruiting's at, so on and so forth. And that was a good conversation, really, both days. I think it's an important conversation to have right now. So anyway, that'll do it for Locked on Syracuse this week. We'll have some more great guests coming to you next week, starting on Monday, as we have you every single weekday. Hoping to talk to a former SU athlete who's had a very interesting career. That's going to be a fun conversation coming up on Monday and maybe even Tuesday. And then we also will dive more into the recruiting side of things with a fun guest next week as well, because that's another important conversation to have right now. So we'll look into recruiting, what Syracuse is doing this offseason, and a whole lot more. But we appreciate you listening to Locked on Syracuse. For Tyler, I'm Tim, and we will talk to you guys on Monday. Monday.